Well, good evening, family. From my side, it's great to be with you tonight and to welcome you back uh, after the holiday season. Hope you rested well. Um, I spoke to someone this this weekend and I asked, did you, did you rest well? He said, no, I didn't rest, but I did relax. <laughs> I enjoyed that quite a lot. I relaxed. Was up early in the morning and did all kinds of good things, and so I relaxed. I hope you relaxed and that you rested and um, that you're ready for an incredible year. Uh, it's great to have you on this first Sunday of this new year and um, to share with you with you the word tonight. But before we get into the word, I want to share with you some facts and some events happening in this year. And so just a few things so that we are all on the same page, right? Just when it comes to 2024, and there's some of you that will maybe find this interesting. And so the Roman numerals for 2024 is double M, double X, IV, just so that you know. It's got nothing to do with the sermon. Uh, also, 2024 is going to be a leap year. For those of you that don't know what a leap year is, it means that we will have an extra day in February. That means the 29th will appear again this year in February. Anyone whose birthday is on the 29th, let's see. Anyone? Okay, I was hoping, but we don't have a 29th year, but we have an extra day this year. That's great. And then also for all the birders out there, if you're a birder, a bird watcher, the bird of the year in 20, huh? A birding, if you're birding. Uh, the bird of the year in 2024 is the Batelier. Okay, that's the bird of the year, just so that you know. Um, also, the summer for all the sport enthusiasts. Um, the Summer Olympics will take place in Paris this year. So we'll, we can look forward to the Summer Olympics. And then uh, something interesting that some of you might find interesting in 2024 has also been described as the biggest in election year in history. So around 76 countries covering roughly 4 billion people are expected to hold their national elections this year, including the U.S., India, which is a big one, and us, South Africa. We're also going to have an opportunity to vote this year. And then lastly, I trust that 2024 for all of us will be known as the Lord of the years, the year of the Lord's favor. The Lord of the year. The year of the Lord's favor. So turn to the person next to you and tell them, this is going to be the year of the Lord's favor. All right. Yes. So, so the last few weeks, you know, I mean, this holiday time, we were not away for, for, for a, a long extended period, but... Um, while we were here, I was praying and prepping, knowing uh, about this sermon today. And so um, I prayed into, into a, a word. And God led me to the prophecy in Isaiah 61. And we're going to read it together in a moment. And if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open it in Isaiah 61. But before we read this prophecy together, I would like for you to understand that, that this prophecy, as relevant as it was 700 B.C., it is still relevant today in 2024. It is still relevant to your lives. And I will expand more on the comment that I'm making a little bit later in the message. But as we're going to read this prophecy, I want you to experience how this messianic message 
touches your heart and will you open up your heart for the Holy Spirit to speak to you through this prophecy that was prophesied centuries ago but still relevant to our lives today and so let me pray for us and then we're going to read this scripture together Holy Spirit before we read this prophecy together in Isaiah 61 I pray that you will in this moment open up hearts pray each person will lend their ears to you so that you may speak to them and Lord may it not just be another beginning of the year word but may it be a prophecy Lord into lives into situations and into the things that we trust you for this year I pray this in Jesus name Amen so Isaiah 61 It says, it is the year of the Lord's favor. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress um, instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. And they shall speak of you as the ministers of our God, and you shall eat the wealth of the nations. And in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. And therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. Up to verse 7. Now, to make Isaiah 61 and 2, and for, all, for, for us to understand that it has relevance to us, we must understand that this book, Isaiah, is divided into three distinct um. Uh, uh, areas or or parts let's rather call it parts distinct parts the first part of Isaiah is from Isaiah 1 to 39 and then the second part is Isaiah 40 to 55 and then the last part is Isaiah 56 to 66 and each part containing prophecies with a different within a different time setting with a specific audience and with a specific message. And so there's debate that the first part was prophecies in the time when Isaiah lived, in 700 BC. And the second part was sort of 600 to, to, to 550 BC, and then the last part sort of 500 to 400 BC, which was the time when the when, when the, the, the exiles started to return back to Israel after they were captured by Babylon. Israel were captured by Babylon. But you have to understand that 
by that time, Isaiah didn't live anymore. So there's some that debate that maybe there was three different authors to the book. But it doesn't hold a lot of ground. If you can imagine that there's a specific line going throughout the whole book. And so the debate among theologians and scholars was, was uh, how can I say, diminished or it was, it was taken off. There's only one author. And if there's only one author to this book, it has relevance to us because how did he know that the, these prophecies is only for when the exiles returned to Israel? It had to be more, right? It had to extend over a longer period of time. It had to be futuristic. And so I, at the chapters of 56 to 66, Isaiah addresses the returned exiles he does, but he also addresses future generations of God's people with messages of hope to keep their faith and obedience steady until God fulfills all of his promises. And so therefore, it would be a mistake to think that these prophecies in the last part of Isaiah is only for the exiles that happened in 500 BC, 400 BC. So Isaiah 56 to 66 contain prophecies about all times and occasions until the end. It includes all people who hold fast to God's covenant. And it's about a God that prepares all his true people for his promised salvation. It includes you and me to this day. And therefore, it is a good assumption that we can draw truths from these prophecies to our lives even to this day. And that is this message that I want to share with you. Now, if we go through the first seven verses of Isaiah, it is a, it is a very messianic message. We see Jesus all the time. You, you see how Jesus comes to, to give hope to the poor. He comes, he comes to, to bind up the brokenhearted. He comes to give hope to the faint in spirit, right? And then the prophecy goes into a hope into the past, the present, and the future of this audience, of this people, which you and I are included in. And therefore, I want to highlight three parts to this prophecy. I believe is relevant to your life and to my life to this day. That we can experience the Lord's favor in 2024 because of a prophecy that was prophesied centuries ago, but it's still relevant to us. It wasn't just for a specific group of people in a specific time. It went across time barriers so that we can read it to this day and know that God thought about us centuries ago. And so the first part to this prophecy that I want to highlight is it speaks about oaks of righteousness. This prophecy speaks about oaks of righteousness in verse 3, the, the latter part of verse 3, it says that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so verse 3 concludes with this description of a new nature that God is giving this people. When salvation is accomplished and the oppressed will be called this 
new name, when, when God gives them this beautiful headdress, and he reaches out to the poor and the fainting spirit, they will have a new identity and you will be called Oaks of Righteousness because God has saved you. Jesus has saved your life. Can you see that it is a messianic message that was prophesied centuries ago that is relevant to our lives even to this day because Jesus saves our lives to this day. And we shall be called Oaks of Righteousness. And they will be splendid and mighty in their righteousness, like oaks. They will be strong, flourishing, and faithful, a testimony of the work of God that glorifies Him. And so when I thought about this, you know, it is almost in this, in this prophecy that he, that he makes this metaphor with, with an oak, right? And so to latch onto this metaphor of an oak, I want you to understand the bigness of an oak, an oak tree. And so I want to show you this. Maybe if you can just dim the lights or just quickly put the lights off so that everyone can see this oak tree. There was actually people this morning um, in the service that were at this oak tree a few years ago, that pictures that they showed me. And so this specific oak tree is found in the U.S. in Charlton, apparently. Uh, they told me this morning. Um, and this oak tree is called the angel oak. And it is one of the oldest trees in the world. It's around, they estimate it's 400 years old, this specific oak tree. The, the guy this morning showed me a, a video how they walked around this, this oak tree. Massive, massive tree. It looks like a fairy tale. And so as we're going to continue, I'll give you some. Thank you. You can put on the lights. Thank you. I hope you can understand or see how big this tree is. And this is what God is calling you and me to be in the spirit. Oaks of righteousness. And so when I prayed through this verse for us, I felt that some of you do not see yourself as an oak. You see yourself as being planted in Christ, but still fragile. Still fragile. And, and I want to tell you tonight, friend, that God is prophesying over your life and He's saying over, over your life that you are an oak of righteousness. Do you understand what that means? And so let me give you some insight. This angel oak reaches a height of more than 19.8 meters. So can you imagine 19.8 meters? That's maybe six stories high. That is how tall this oak tree goes. And so I see how you will reach heights this year that you've never reached before. I see how you go beyond the things that you thought you can do. I see how God gives you the inside that you can see that you are much taller than you think you are and you are much more rooted than you think you are and therefore you can go much more higher because you're an oak righteousness this trunk of this angel tree is 8.5 meters around the diameter around is 8.5 meters can you think how thick this trunk is and it is planted and rooted and anchored in the ground for 400 years 
it had to start somewhere, obviously, with a little seed. And it had to grow into this massive tree. Root. And how do we become these, these oaks of righteousness? It is by spending time with God. Sitting at His feet. Hearing His voice over your life. And so I see how you will be fruitful, lasting, and strong. I see how you will be rooted and anchored, that you will understand that you are rooted in Christ this year. And I see how others will hold on to you in difficult times. You see this tree's got branches that goes in every direction. And so many people can just stand under them or hold on to it. I see how, you will, how people will hold on to you because you are rooted in Christ because you're an oak of righteousness. This tree also provides shade over an area that covers 1,590 1, square meters. So can you imagine shade over an area of 1,590 square meters? An average house is maybe 200 square meters. So that's a few houses. This oak tree covers shade with, and I see how God is saying, you are going to give shade to people. You're going to cover people. People are going to find security with you. But do you see it? Do you see yourself as an oak of righteousness? It is a prophecy that has been prophesied over you. And then lastly, this angel oak, this, the, the, the angel oak's longest branch, right? Listen to this, is 56.9 meters, the longest branch. It's almost to that big rock out there. And so what I felt is when I read this, is that you will reach people that you thought you'll never reach before. Because you are so extended in reach. May you reach people in your workplace in your study place, at university, at school, that none of us will ever be, be reaching because you have the reach to reach them. Because you're an oak of righteousness. May you reach those close to you and far from you. May you know that you are an oak of righteousness. This is who you are. Psalm 1 verse 3 it says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that it does, he prospers. And this is my prayer for you, that you will be rooted, anchored in Christ, knowing who you are, an oak of righteousness, a prophecy that was prophesied over you centuries ago. The second part I want to highlight in this prophecy is it, it speaks about the ancient ruins. And when I read this, you know, I really... It was like, yo, there's something in this I want to share with you. The ancient ruins, verse 4 says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations and they shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many generations. And so to Israel, verse 4, does imply the rebuilding of their city, of their country. The destroyed cities of Judah after the exile, it does imply that. And there must have been 
heartbroken when they saw their, their city and their walls and the buildings broken down like it was. He must have been hurt and disappointed. And God called them to build up, raise up, repair and mend what was broken, right? But here's the term that is relevant to us. It speaks about many generations. Many generations. And therefore it implies a much wider timeline. A timeline that includes you and I in this prophecy that says, raise up the ancient ruins. All of us have experienced disappointments, right? We all face devastations and add failures, broken relationships, destroyed dreams, former passions, failed businesses, previous sicknesses, um, unresolved offenses, unforgiveness, missed opportunities. Friends, I can go on all day of all the things that we have experienced. And God is saying, raise up the ancient ruins. Build up, repair, restore. When I prayed into this verse, I felt very specifically that there's COVID-impacted businesses that will be restored this year. I felt our God is saying, explore the ventures again. Explore your dreams again. I felt that there's some of you that had dreams and passions and you think that they are dead you actually buried them i felt our oh god is saying raise them up repair them mend what is broken revisit those dreams and passions restore the ancient ruins i also felt that there's some of you that need to ask forgiveness I'm not sure why to whom I'm not sure. God is saying it's time to repair, to mend what is broken. It is time to mend the relationships that is broken. There's unresolved issues in relationships that God wants to come and restore this year. And he's saying if it's you that needs to ask forgiveness, do it. Restore the ancient ruins. Build up the former devastations. God is with us. It is the year of the Lord's favor. The last part I want to highlight in this, in this incredible prophecy, it speaks about the wealth of the world that go to the righteous, in a nutshell. The wealth of the world that will go to the righteous. And in verse 5 it says, Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and wine dressers but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God, and you shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Now, these verses portray an abundance of wealth and goods that was flooding into Jerusalem year in, year out from neighboring countries. And this was almost like a trend that you can pick up how the wealth of the nations, there was such a blessing over Israel and over Jerusalem that the wealth of the nations flooded to them. They were blessed 
with the wealth of the nations as a righteous city and country. And foreigners, as we read in the scripture, foreigners served in Israel's lands and were their herdsmen while they restored the community back to God as spiritual leaders, leading them. And they were supported by the wealth of the nations. And so when I prayed into this, into this specific verse, I was not sure why God wanted me to add it, because it's quite difficult to explain it. And so I didn't really want to add this scripture to the message, but God's, you know, I really felt that I had to. And God gave me peace that the people to whom this verse is relevant, that he will tell you. And he will give you the insight to what you need in this prophecy and how it is relevant to your life. Just a short testimony this morning. I shared the same message. And a businessman came afterwards and he shared with me. Just, as, just to show you what God is busy doing. He said, you know, towards the end of last year, his employee, employer came to him. And he said, he wants to give him an MBA uh, degree. He wants to pay for it. He wants to sponsor it. He wants to support him to do it. And he felt so, he felt in a way when he heard the news, he felt almost... Um, heavy to, to accept this. He felt it, it's, a, it's a sacrifice. He has to sacrifice now to go and do an MBA degree. And God spoke this morning through him through this word that that's, that MBA is favor on his life and the wealth of the world is applying to the, to the righteous. And so I don't know what God is telling you through this verse, but, I, but what I do want to say is do not surprise, be surprised this year if investors want to invest in your company. What I do want to say is that do not be surprised this year if there's opportunities coming your way and you didn't even ask them, ask for them. When people show interest in you and they want to invest in your dreams and in your passions, friends, do not be surprised when Properties are paid off, degrees are paid off, and loans are being paid off. And I see credit scores being restored and names taken off blacklist. The wealth of the world will come to the righteous. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Friends, in this passage, when we read this passage, Jesus is the hero. It is a messianic message prophesied centuries ago that we can still draw truths from today. And it is only through Jesus that it is possible for us to be rooted in God like oaks of righteousness. It is only through Jesus that we can restore the ancient ruins, broken relationships, disappointments, failed businesses. It is only through Jesus that we can do this. And it is his hand, in his hand that lies the wealth of the nations. He governs it, friends. He can do it with God. Anything is possible. And so I would like to conclude this message by reading this prophecy again. So can you close your eyes? As I read this prophecy and I ask the Holy Spirit to speak into your soul. 
says, You will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. The devastations of many nations, many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks, foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord, and they shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this word, and that it is still relevant to our lives to this day. And may you, in this moment, speak to each person in this venue. I thank you in Jesus' name. 